You're listening to the One Pridecast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Pridecast presented by MGM Grand Detroit. I'm your host, Tori Petrie, joined on the other line by the one and only Mike O'Hara. Good morning, Tori. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mike? Well, I'm looking at today's breakfast and I don't think you went out of your way with a granola bar, but it was better than that cold boiled egg last week. So congratulations. You're moving up. I feel better. I I, I won't take it out of it. I won't unwrap it right now. I'll wait till we're done. I don't want people out there hearing me crunch and talk at the same time. But (laughs) thank you very much for the granola bar. Looks like a two for one, but that's okay. You probably kept the other one. (laughs) I did. I did. I ate it just before this. That's why I was like two minutes late in calling you. Well, you don't have to tell everybody our secrets, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, Mike, I'm so glad that I was able to improve on last week's performance. And guess who else improved on their performance this last week? The Detroit Lions. They actually won this last game against the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. It's the first time, Mike, you and I have covered a win in 11 months. What did you like from what you saw in that game? Well, from the Detroit Lions standpoint, look, I picked, I picked Arizona to win. I think it was 27-24 on this podcast. And I think, so close. Yeah, well, you know, but also I said at the time I thought it was a winnable game. I didn't think Arizona was anything anything special. Uh, and if you just built a fence around Kyler Murray and made him throw the ball, you could win the game. And, I, and as you know, uh, Matt Patricia, the head coach, and his defensive staff listen to these podcasts, and then they do what you tell them to do. <laughs> And so, Coach, way to go. Glad to, glad to set up three interceptions for you. And I think pretty much uh, the same thing today. Now, it's different. You're talking about one of the all-time greats quarterbacks, not a, not a quarterback in the second game, or I'm sorry, third game of the second season like Kyler Murray last week. Drew, uh, Drew Brees is one of the all-time greats in terms of statistics and, and all of that. He's got the most passing yards. He's got the most touchdowns, a lot of other things, and probably one of the, if not the highest, one of the highest career completion rates. But pretty much the same thing you know we, we've watched you know i mean if you look at the statistics these teams are so close i mean it's absolutely you could slide a credit card between them and it wouldn't be a, ga- a gap anywhere and just play football I, I don't think this is an unwinnable game by any means i know the lions are, are underdogs in the betting line which you know i look at for fun i don't bet but it's usually an indicator of of, of how the teams rate but it's the betting line's fairly close and i think it should be a close game at ford field Absolutely. Well, we are looking forward to uh, having another game at Ford Field this next week. We'll talk a little bit more about the Lions up against the Saints, but I do want to point out this one thing about this last game against the Cardinals is, Mike, you talked on the podcast last week about how you didn't feel like Kyler Murray could beat them with his arm, that you just had to stop him on the ground. And like you said, the Lions pretty much followed your game plan. Well, and as they should, and I'll give them the other one for this week too. But, but I think that's the way to, to beat him. And you know, look, I think he's a great young talent right now, like a lot of young quarterbacks that come into the league. And it takes them, you know, there's a rush to judgment. In the old days, when I started out covering the team, they talked about five years to develop a quarterback. He would, you know, sit and watch for two or three or years, and then all of a sudden, gradually get some playing time, and then take off, and away he'd go. Well, that's right now you draft them and you play them that's that, that's just the way it is part of it is economics with you know free agency after four years and all of that but but kyler murray i think has the as the 
the athleticism and the moxie and the and the instinct to be a great quarterback. I just think what right now, and a lot of this has to do with his size. And they list him at five ten. I don't think he's that tall. Is that it, it, it's going to take him a while to develop? You know, to throw through passing lanes and all of that. That comes with time. And you saw that happen last week. It was like throwing out of a well at times, and that's how he got the first interception. I think to some degree, it's the same thing. Still, is true of Drew Brees. Even, you know, here he is now in his, whatever it is, 16th, 17th, 29th season. They're having some issues with their passing game down there right now. You wouldn't know it by just looking at the raw statistics, but you're hearing critics and analysts all of a sudden now saying Drew Brees is part of the problem. He's not fully the solution anymore, and, and I agree with that. Mm, okay. Nope. And we can get into that more deeply, but, but I, I believe that too, just watching him play and looking at the overall statistics. Interesting insight from you, Mike. Before we talk about the Saints too much, I will circle back to that. I do want to ask you more uh, about what we saw in this game uh, this last week because it, it was finally a game, in my opinion, where we saw the Lions play all four quarters, it, which is something that they have struggled with, uh, not just this season, but going back to last season as well. We finally saw them play all four quarters, and, and we did see a better performance from the defense this last week, and I felt like that was that was part of why they won. No, I, I would agree with that too, uh, uh, Tori. I think I think a couple of things here. I think if you sat down and talked to Matt Patricia, and I had a chance to do that a couple of times, just talk. If he had his choice, if he could play any kind of game he wanted, just this is the way we're going to play would be tough, tough, tough football, starting up front on both sides of the ball, uh, be able to run the ball effectively and throw it when you want to, and then just the opposite, stop their run, make them throw when they don't want to. In other words, control the game uh, uh, with your run game and control their game by taking control of your game defensively by taking away the opponent's run game. And I think they pretty much did that. And you know, it sets up play action. It sets up a lot of things. Now he'll do other things too. Obviously, it's if you, if you can throw the ball and you have to throw the ball, he'll throw it. And who better to throw it than Matthew Stafford? And really, pretty good collection of wide receivers they have right there. But you look at what they did. Uh, they did offensively using you know Adrian Peterson as the primary runner. They didn't run for a lot of yards, ninety something or maybe ninety right on the on the button. But they ran effectively and they ran when they wanted to and 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 passed the ball pretty well too. And the other side of it was they pretty much took away. The, what had been a real problem in the first two uh, two losses, first two games against Chicago and 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 uh, the Green Bay Packers, the you know the, the excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, I got something caught in my throat. Excuse me, the Cardinals did not run the ball all that effectively. I didn't think they ran it well in spots, but not from start to finish. Yeah, you talk about that Lions run game, and uh, that that really stuck out to me, how much they're using Adrian Peterson, and and he's clearly been doing well, and I got a lot of questions uh, this last Monday. I, I do a segment called Tory Steak, and we take fan questions on it, and I got a lot of questions about why are the Lions using Adrian Peterson so much? What about DeAndre Swift and on Johnson? But my response was, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, absolutely, and you're 100% right. I mean, look, National Football League is the biggest second-guessing sport in the world. You know, I've always, always said this. Watching a, like a baseball game at home is like on television. It's like having a friend in the living room. Watching football is a debate. It's argue <laughs> on every single play. And it, How timely. Honestly, you know, don't you? I mean, maybe I don't know if you agree or disagree, but every single play. Well, why did he throw on third and one when he could have run the ball? Absolutely. 
because he got stuffed on the last five runs, and besides, the guy was wide open, and he overthrew him, stuff like that. But with Adrian Peterson, why would you run him? I got a better question. Why wouldn't you? Right. He's your best runner. Right. Now, is he going to go 16 games like that? Look, he's gonna, you're going to have to pick your spots with him, and they're going to be they're going to be games. Look, he's 34, 35 years old. This is 14th season. They're going to be games where it's it's just not there for him. It, it's that's that's the way it is. Teams are going to load up and say we're going to stop Adrian Peterson and let Matthew Stafford throw the ball. Okay, do it. Try that. See how that works, guys. So <laughs> no, I, I I think over time you'll see more running plays for the rookie DeAndre Swift. You'll see more for Kerryon Johnson. But I think in the other side of it is that they have you know, their game plan specific and the game plan called for a tough inside running game with Adrian Peterson. We'll see what they do against the Saints. Well, yeah, and Daryl Bevel seemed to give Adrian Peterson a vote of confidence in his media session this last week. And something Matt Patricia talked about, too, was the importance of handing the ball off and eating up the clock because they wanted to kind of play keep away a little bit and keep that ball out of uh, the Arizona Cardinals' hands because of the explosive offense that they have. So if they, they're they not off, on offense, they can't hurt you on offense. Hey, absolutely. And there's one other thing. When they got the ball back with uh, at, the, at their own nine-yard line for the last possession, I think it was four minutes and 50 seconds left to go, Right, Lions ran 12 snaps, two penalties in there, in there, and 10 plays, and they ran on first down four times. Now, I thought they overdid it a little bit at times, but what they did was when they finally got in position to kick the winning field goal, there was no time on the clock left for the Arizona Cardinals to, to mount a comeback. I mean, there was zero. No fluke, you know, kickoff return, no lateral, no none of that stuff. The game was over when it hit the when the when the ball hit the nets there behind the uh, behind the uprights and you know, what a way to milk the clock and, and and win the game and then and then head home. Yeah, it turned out that that penalty that wiped out what we thought would have been a touchdown yeah. uh, that worked out in their favor. Well, it really didn't. Even Staff- Matthew Stafford said that after the game. He said maybe it was a, a blessing in disguise right. know, because it allowed them to take some more time off the clock. But he also said he would have liked to have had the touchdown because the only way you were going to get beat was on a, at that point was on a, a touchdown and a two-point conversion. It was either going to head into overtime or the Lions were going to win the game. So I'll take, you know what, as one old character in one of the Dan Jenkins novels once said, what could have happened did. I'll take that. <laughs> and I will take not heading into overtime as well. That would have just been a little too much after the game last season going into overtime and then ending in a tie. I'm, I'm glad we didn't have to deal with that again. So, yep. uh, you know, that that's always a positive. And Mike, something else that we talked about last week on the podcast was the need for the Lions to get more pressure on the quarterback. Now, it wasn't perfect, obviously. They still need to, to improve in that area. But we did see a little bit more this week, and I thought that that was at least a, a trend in the right direction. Yeah, I thought so too. Even though there was there was only one sack, but on that first interception, uh, we saw Jamie uh, Jamie Collins uh, senior get a get a rush up the middle. He didn't get to the quarterback, but I don't think I don't think he got a hit on Kyler Murray. But he got his hand up in the air, and you could see that Murray could not couldn't follow through on the ball because of the you know because Collins was right in his face, and the result was a high ball got tipped a little bit, and and. Uh, uh, the interception, you know, really kind of, kind of set the tone because, you know, I think the Lions had a three nothing lead, I think, at the time, and 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 uh, and the Cardinals were driving. They're at their own thirty yard line when they started that series of downs, easily within range to, to kick a tying field goal. But instead of getting a tying field, they got absolutely nothing, and the Lions were able to advance the ball uh, down the field. 
Yeah, that that definitely was important this week. So hopefully we see a little bit more of that. Uh, Before we move on to the Saints, I got one more question for you. I want you to tell me which specific players' performances stood out from this last week. Uh, Kenny Galladay, you know, I think really made a difference. You know, I I wrote about him in my final thoughts column on Sunday that, you know, what he has meant to the team since since his first game as a rookie. Look, he has earned everything he has gotten. as you recall, it's he's a third-round draft pick out of Northern Illinois. And in the fourth quarter, he catches a touchdown pass to give the Lions a lead, and then another one right after that on the next possession to put the game out of reach. And the point is, you get open, you'll get the ball from Matthew Stafford. He doesn't care who it is. And and Kenny Galladay showed right then that you know he was going to be a big-time player for the Detroit Lions, and he carried that right through. And I should say this, add this, in all circumstances, too. And, you know, first game as a rookie, and last year playing eight games without Matthew Stafford, continued to perform in the second half of the season with Jeff Driscoll for three games and David Blau for the last five games. He kept playing and made the Pro Bowl. And so I said that speaks highly of how he competes, and he just plays and plays and plays. And with that body, 6'4", 215 or whatever it is with those strong hands, he is a heck of a heck of a, an asset. You saw that on the touchdown catch right at the end of the first half, you know, 15-yard catch. You know, he looked like, uh, looked like a basketball power forward going up for a rebound, just ripped it out of the air <laughs> into the end zone touchdown. So I thought, I thought he had, had a really good game. Marvin Jones Jr. only had three catches for the game, but one was in the first half. The last two were in the winning drive, two 20-yard catches. The point on that one to me is, although he wasn't getting the ball, he kept his head in the game, ran his routes, and made two very, very big plays. Look, he didn't pout. He didn't, you know, why me? Give me the ball. It's my contract year, all that stuff. No, he just played football. Just played. That's one of the things I like about Marvin Jones. I just think I think he's a ball player. That I think when you call a guy a ball player in any sport, I think that's a real tribute to what what they are and what they represent as a player on the field. And he also does that off the field. But on the field, I think he gives you everything he's got, every game, every play. You never have to worry about is Marvin going to be where he's supposed to be because he is. Absolutely. Here's one for me. I feel like we're starting to see how integral Jamie Collins is to this defense. Obviously, we didn't get to see it in that first game because of that ejection, but in these last couple of games, we've seen Jamie Collins making his way around the field, finding the ball, and making some plays, and I think we saw more of that in Arizona. Yeah, you beat me to that one. I'm glad you brought it up. (laughs) But Yeah, but Jamie Collins, I'll tell you the one, he had an interception, and really, he looked like he was running the route. You know, and it was a nice catch right about, I think, right about, High level, both hands on the ball, caught it. Looked like he could turn up field and and run it in for the uh, for the Cardinals. I'm glad he didn't do that. But they just, you know, he's he's a guy. Look, he's got athletic ability and he's got instinct. Boy, what a combination that is on, uh, in any sport, especially in pro football. Football is back. The 2020 NFL season is kicking off with even more ways to get into the game. Thanks to BetMGM, an official partner of the Detroit Lions. This year, Lions fans can play along for free during all the action and win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of an MGM Resorts trip package. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during every game, and once you hit bingo, you score. All thanks to BetMGM. Learn more by visiting the official Lions mobile app now. Okay, with that, let's turn to the New Orleans Saints. Mike, I know you've been itching to talk about this game against the Saints. You talked about it a little bit already, but you talked about Drew Brees, and you said that you feel like he might be a little bit 
part of the problem for the Saints. Why do you think Drew Brees is not playing so well this year? Well, I think I think you've seen this happen to him. And, and look, he's 41 years old. He's going to be 42 in January, which, trust me, it doesn't seem all that old to me, but this we're talking about pro football. <laughs> and, and I think you've seen this gradually the last season and a half. I mean, he was out, I think he missed five games last year with an injury. He's been a pretty durable guy, but the, the ball's just not getting same way and and he's a perfect example to explain what's happening is and I, and I heard this on ESPN yesterday uh, yesterday morning he was just getting I, I don't say well he was getting analyzed let's let's put it a nice way but it was pretty harsh analysis that his days of being an elite quarterback are over because he can't get the ball downfield and he's according to the analysts and, and these are ex-players talking ex-defensive players they might add that he won't throw the ball downfield, he won't throw it through between creases because he doesn't have the arm strength, and also because he doesn't have the arm strength. Compounding that is, he doesn't have the faith to do it. And so what you're getting is a lot of his yards are on dump offs and checkdowns. Good example of that is Alvin Kamara, who's the running back, just a tremendous football player. Now he had 13 catches last week, and in that loss to the Green Bay Packers, uh, one of them was a 52-yard touchdown run after the catch. Alvin Kamara has 285 receiving yards. 283 of them are yards after the catch. Now, I, I get it. Wow. Running backs get more yards after the catch because they catch the ball a lot of times in the backfield or, or, or short routes and, and cut up field to get their yards. But 285, the second the number two player in the league is 173. So that goes to show you where's the <laughs> yeah. ball going. Ball's going to guys who he can get, who he can get, and where Drew Brees can get a, a quick, easy completion and let them do the work. Now it's working with Alvin Kamara, but it's not working with everybody. But folks, hold on to this one though. We don't know if Michael Thomas is going to play, and if he does, it yeah. changes things because I don't know if he's the best receiver in the National Football League. You know, look, on a given day or a given game or a given play. There's about 15 guys who can be the best receiver in the National Football League. But Michael Thomas certainly is, is deep, deep, deep into the conversation. If he's back, you know, and plays at the level of, you know, the, the, that he did the last four years and starting out this year before he went out late in the first game, then it adds an entirely new dimension to this game. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just look at the lineup of receivers that this Lions secondary, who, by the way, is going through quite a few injuries right now, has had to face these first few weeks. I mean, Devontae Adams, and then you had DeAndre Hopkins this last week, and now potentially Michael Thomas. That That's being thrown into the fire. No, absolutely. And, and those are in, in those games, you know, those are those are receivers that you go to and go to and go to until you stop them. And, and, and it, it doesn't really happen. Look what look at uh, what Devontae Adams did in, in the opener. He had 14 receptions. He could have tied the franchise record of 15 set by Don Hudson, you know, back in the day, a Hall of Famer. But Aaron Rodgers says, no, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do it in a blowout win. Well, OK, I get it. But it just goes to show you how good Devontae Adams is. Now, he got hurt. I believe against the Lions and didn't finish out the game, but while he was in there, he was a heck of a force. And 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 you'll see the same thing from Michael Thomas, who, like I said, if he's not the best receiver in the league, he's close enough that it doesn't make a difference. Against the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins got his yards because I mean he's DeAndre Hopkins. But what did right. you see from Jeff Okuda that made you feel a little bit confident that he's headed in the right direction and and can match up against Michael Thomas if need be. Well, I saw, you know, what, what I you like to see in any young player compete. 
and you're not going to do everything perfectly. Even if you're, even if you're a, a veteran, you're not going to do everything perfectly. You play the next play. And I thought he competed. He competed hard. Now there were a couple of plays that, you know, where he was, you know, completely fooled. Now they didn't go for touchdowns. They didn't go for, you know, 30, 40 yard gains and all that. But, but I thought he competed hard. I liked the interception he got. Uh, and I like Duran Harmon telling, yelling at him, "Get up, get up!" And, and, and he got, and he got up, yeah. got up, and they got some return yardage. This is in college. That just goes to show you that there is a transition from the college game. The college rule: catch the ball, you go down. If you're not touched, you're down. You can't advance the ball. Well, you know, he's his instincts told him the play is over. Well, you've got a new set of instincts now because you're in the National Football League. I like the interception. I also liked. He had two tackles he made for loss. It showed me that he's going to get his schnoz up in there and he's going to hit people and he's <laughs> going to make plays. And I like that. I really do. I like that toughness. I'd just like to add one other thing here. I've, I've mentioned before the, 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 the uh, comparing him, not comparing him as a player, but, but Lem Barney, the great Hall of Fame quarterback for the Detroit Lions, who intercepted a pass on the first play of his pro career against the Packers and ran it in for a touchdown. Well, just one other thing I should add, and I've added this in a couple of things I've written since then. Lem Barney also had rookie camp, mini camp, and six preseason games before uh, that play. Yeah. Okay, got it? Absolutely. And that's a great point. And Jeff Okuda had Zero. you, me, and Tim <laughs> Twentyman watching him in practice for a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> all right, big difference. You mean that uh, didn't so- help him out? <laughs> of course he did. In fact, he didn't see him wave to the press box when he got his first catch or set me up, guys. But my point is, you know, look, it's an entirely different scenario on what's got him ready to play pro football. He also was a three-year player. Lem played four years. But but I think this kid's got a really good future. People have been writing him off uh, based on pro football focuses, ratings, and all that. Guys, calm down on the ratings, okay? Yeah. Just calm down. I think the pro football focus would have given the captain the Titanic and you know a ninety plus rating because he did had a, did a great job until he hit the iceberg. Okay, <laughs> that is just a little you know just didn't like the way it ended. Oh man, Mike, you're killing me. You are. That's why me. I'm here. Exactly. Okay, one thing we haven't touched on that I want to touch on uh, before we leave is that Saints defense. Do you feel like there might be an opportunity for this Lions offense against the Saints defense? No, oh, absolutely. You know, I looked this up. They've given up ninety four points. You know, it's it's. You look at their rate last year, they were, you know, they were one of the top rated defenses in the league and at least in the top 10 anyway, but they've given up 94 points. People are scoring on them. You know, they really are. And that's what, that's 31.3 points a game. Now I get, look who they played. They played against, you know, Tom Brady in the first game and, 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 and last week it was Aaron Rodgers. They played against, you know, legends of the game. And one of those legends is still playing at a high level, Tom Brady. But you know, it's who you, who they've played against. I think has a has a factor in that. But they just they're just not as good, and, and that's that's been one of their issues. I don't think they're getting getting the ball for you know Drew Brees and getting turnovers like they have in some years. And and that's one of the reasons they're one and two. They're, it's, they're making it tougher on an older quarterback than it should be, and, it's, and I think it's showing on both sides of the ball. Okay, that means now it is time for Mike's Pick of the Week, presented by MGM Grand Detroit. Mike, who's it going to be this week? Well, I fortified myself with a granola bar. I took one bite <laughs> when you weren't paying attention. I might need to save the other bite for it's a very small granola bar. I might save the other bite for lunch. Like I said last week, it was a winnable game against the Cardinals, and I picked a three-point win for the Cardinals. This week I'm saying it's a winnable game against the New Orleans Saints. 
know, they're one and two. They're not used to losing two games. They're not used to being one and two after three games. But uh, I think another uh, nail biter or cliffhanger, whatever you want to call it, uh, 31-27 Detroit Lions win. Okay. Get to the buy at get to the buy at two and two, and Matt Patricia gives everybody a victory Monday off. No Zoom calls, no nothing. We just dance and have a good time for seven <laughs> days, and I'll see you in a week. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's why you're picking the Lions this week. It's for the Monday well, off. That's why. Thirty-one twenty-seven Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think that that will be so important this week. Is how they head into the bye. I mean, that bye week is really early this year. You only have a quarter of your season finished, and how the Lions head into that bye week is going to be crucial for them, I feel. Well, absolutely. And the fact, yeah, and, and they, they had an early bye last week, too. And as everybody knows, the National Football League plays favorites. Teams like the Lions get their buys early. The other powers like Dallas and so on get their buys late. Trust me, that's, that, that is a fact. <laughs> a true fact. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, they're going to make it work regardless. Uh, and they got a couple guys on IR who maybe we'll see if they can uh, make it back after uh, sometime after the bye week, uh, considering the, the relaxed IR rules this year. But, Mike, uh, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to having another game at Ford Field. It'll be nice to be watching players on the football field and not on a TV screen. So uh, that'll be a positive at least. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, I I don't know if the readers and fans and listeners out there know, but we, we go to Ford Field and, and cover the road games from there because of the, you know, there's work to do there and you have, you know, access to screens and replays and all that other stuff uh, that we can set up. And, and, but there's nothing like, look, even without fans, there's nothing like NFL Sunday in, in the stadium. There's just an energy level and there's a buzz that's different than any other sport. Absolutely. Well, Mike, I will see you at Ford Field on Sunday. Thanks for coming on the podcast. All right, Tori. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who listened. We'll talk to you next week. Football is back. The 2020 NFL season is kicking off with even more ways to get into the game. Thanks to BetMGM, an official partner of the Detroit Lions. This year, Lions fans can play along for free during all the action and win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of an MGM Resorts trip package. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during every game, and once you hit bingo, you score. All thanks to BetMGM. Learn more by visiting the official Lions mobile app now.